Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, and filling in for Dave Pop, which is Rob Gary. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, my friend. Well, I have to first um, say this out loud to everyone that's listening and watching. I have to congratulate you. Um, man, you have patience. We went golfing this week together. <laughs> you actually were able to watch me uh, participate in what the sport is called golf. What I was doing, we don't know what that yet. <laughs> But you were so patient. You were nice. You were calm. It's like, wow, congratulations and thank you for all the patience you had watching me attempt the sport of golf. I, I think we're both in that game together. Oh, right? you played very well. You played very well. I was the one that uh, I think um, I, I lost more balls than we had holes in that game. Well, <laughs> regardless, a good day. It was a great day. We've had some great weather this week. Um, the market's not so great overall. No. People are concerned. So we have a couple of topics that we want to discuss today. Of course, um, interest rate hike came in. So we're going to have a conversation about the impacts of that interest mm -hmm. rate hike for retirees, for, for people who are, are growing their wealth, for people who are you know starting off in their careers and their families, how the impacts are there. Um, I recently came back from Mexico, and uh, I can tell you, with the people that I was speaking to in Mexico, uh, so many passport issues, mm -hmm. so many passport issues, so we're going to have the conversation of where are we now in this whole passport debacle, and uh, what do people have to do, because it's not only the summer travel, people, you know, we're getting closer to October, and that's when our snowbirds right. kind of go away. And uh, they want to make sure that their passports Things are okay. Things you got to do now. Yeah, yeah. step up now yeah. because it's going to be interesting to see about that. I think we need to have a, a conversation, of course, with what's happening in the markets. People are opening up their statements. They're going, wow, mm -hmm. the month of June statement, not so great for many people. Um, concerns about what's happening. They're, they're watching the news. They're listening on, on the radio and they're hearing interest rate increase, inflation, a whole bunch of problems, a recession potentially, um, the war happening with Ukraine and Russia. There's so many things happening. This is a shock to the system. Mm -hmm. This is a shock to a lot of people. And the question that I have is, what do people do when it comes time when they get shocked, like what they're feeling right now? Mm -hmm. You know, what are your thoughts when it comes to people who are being shocked in the system? Well, I think the way I look at it is the shock comes from all of this data coming at you. Yeah. And what does it actually mean? There's so many data points. What does recession mean? What does inflation mean? Because it means there's a broad news articles coming at us, but what does it mean individually for every person is completely different. Yeah, so you're basically saying the macro information is coming down, but how does it impact the micro, the individual household or family? We've had conversations with many listeners of this show, uh, and they've called it and said, I'm worried, I'm stressed. Um, not for the day-to-day, -day, generally speaking. They're not right. concerned about, am I going to be able to afford what I've been able to afford next month like I did last month? Mm -hmm. That's not their, their concern. It's the, the unknown of the future. Will this continue? Will the recession go through? A lot of people are saying to me, you know, I've never, I've never experienced 
mm-hmm. this before, or this has never happened in history. Um, history will say otherwise. It's happened before, where we've had high inflation rates, where we've had recessions, where we've had wars, where we've had these types of concerns. Um, but people haven't experienced it all at once in probably one of the most vulnerable stages in their lives when they're 100% dependent on pension income and the savings that right. they have. That period in retirement so vulnerable stage. Well, and the newly retired, too, where you're into this new realm of paycheck not coming in, we're spending, things are costing more. We want to live that lifestyle that we thought about yeah. that's now not happening. And right? I'm going to spend the same amount of money I was last year or last month but now my portfolio is down. Yep. Oh my God, that fear of, will it, will it be enough? Yep. You know? And so I, I wanna take people through an analogy and you and I chatted about this before the show. Um, let's say you're, you're in a building and it, it, it goes on, in, on fire and people are scrambling. They're running out of the building. People are just worried about things, what's gonna happen. Um, and they, they, go, they go to a place of safety and a little bit of refuge, uh, a muster point, yep. let's call it. And the first thing that somebody says to that individual who escaped from that building is, number one, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Most people say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. I, I, I'm all right. But then generally they say, you know, maybe you should get checked up. Go, go, go to a doctor and just make sure you're okay. You know, and I think that's the same type of analogy I want to use in this type of, of a concern. There's a storm or there's a, there's a building that's under fire. Yeah. Um, and we need to make sure that we're okay. We'll call it a financial checkup. And I think this is the time you go back to your advisor and kind of go through that financial checkup. Am I okay from this point on? It's Mm -hmm. a stress point. Now, in our practice, we already do this in advance, but I think people are going to be concerned regardless if they're going through a process like ours or they're going through on their own or they're using another advisor. It's time to do that little financial checkup. And, and, And let's kind of go through, I think you and I chatted about three different steps that people need to do in order to kind of get that financial checkup in a in a high stressful point like we're in right now. Right. I, you know, I think the first part that we talked about was you have to review what your plan actually is, or if you do not have one, get one in place. Because if you don't have that plan to even look at, then what are we even lock, looking at? Right? Yeah. And you said look at, that means it's a written financial plan. Correct. Not in your head, oh, I kind of done, done some numbers in my mind, I think we're okay a written financial plan. Do you have that? That's the number one thing. And you might not have done it this year. You could have done it two, three, four years ago, but have you been able to review where mm-hmm. you are in your situation? Look at the numbers and sit down and kind of go through, am I okay at this point? And if you don't have one, that's okay. Now's the time to do it. It's kind of like a, like a, like a stress test or a health check with your doctor. You got to get some blood work done. If you haven't done it before, well, now's a good time to check yeah. it, take a look at it. So do, do that little work right out the get-go, I think, reviewing or creating that. don't have that paralysis, right? Yeah. The same as the statement. Don't have the paralysis of, well, maybe our plan is down right now. Maybe we're not meeting it. Maybe we shouldn't look at it, right? And I don't think that that's the proper thing to yeah. do. Putting your head in the sand is definitely not a good idea. Right. So for step one, review or create a financial plan. Step two, I'll jump in on this one. Yeah. What does success mean to you? So you know where you are now from that plan, but let's define success. Now let's talk about what we mean by success. What does success look like in your lifestyle in retirement? Or what kind of experiences do you want to have? Or what are some of the objectives that you want to have? Or what's that purpose or ambition that you have? 
as you go through retirement. There's a, a lot of people that are, are living day to day, but kind of lose sight of some of the things that they want to do or want to accomplish in their retirement. And let's kind of you know, review that and, and define what success means to you. So you, you have an idea of where you are today with step one. You have an idea of what that vision is for the future in step two. Right. And then let's talk about step three. Stress test. Test, test that. Test that to where we are today. Yeah. Right? Because we talked about this. We're going to go through corrections. You're going to go through corrections in your retirement. Do you think this is the last recession that we are ever going to see? Absolutely not. Do you think this is the last uh, correction or market pullback of 20, 30% we're ever going to see? Absolutely not. So this is going to happen again. Yeah. That's what we have to accept that. Yeah. And so if it's going to happen again, shouldn't we know what this will look like in every scenario? And a stress test is not just in today's situation, this extreme level for some people. It's on every extreme level. Now we stress test, we'll go back 100 years. Mm-hmm. And, and think about what's happened over the last 100 years. A couple of world wars, a whole bunch of geogra- geopolitical issues, oil's gone all over the place, terrorism kicked in, a pandemic, you know, changes of, of, uh, of politicians and political groups around the world. Like, it's, it's not like it's been, you know, roses all, all year. Well, even the last two years. Correct, yeah. right? So stress testing your plan on every scenario that's been out there in the past will kind of give you an idea of what could happen in the future. So you start off of where am I today? That's your creating of a plan, reviewing the plan, and then what does success mean to you? So you have a vision of where you're going, and then stress testing to make sure that vision will become a reality. Rob, we had a surprise this week, Mm -hmm. 1% increase on the the Bank of Canada rate, that kind of surprised a lot of people. Um, the the banks then followed suit by raising their prime lending rate by 1%. And so what are the impacts of this? Let's go right into it. And we've right. got our guest here on, to talk about it, Kevin Page, President and CEO of the Institute of Fiscal Studies and Democracy. Kevin, thank you for joining us today. Good to be with you. So let's go right into it, Kevin. Uh, what will be the impact of these, uh, this interest rate hike to Canadians? What do you see uh, transpiring because of it? Yeah, so I think the impact will be felt over a number of quarters. So this is an impact that, um, you, know, you know, central bankers talk about transmission mechanisms. It takes a number of months, quarters for it to feel the full impact. But yeah, I think, you know, obviously we're going to see higher interest rates across the spectrum. You know, higher mortgage rates, consumer rates, uh, consumer rates, business loan rates, um, and I think this is part of a cycle. So, you know, we've 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 had previous increases. We're going to see continuous increases. So, I think expectations are adjusting as we speak right now. So, a, a slowing of the economy would be one impact, and then uh, hopefully a turning down of the arc uh, that we've seen. This sort of high rising inflation rates it will happen hopefully some uh, number of months down the road. Kevin, I know there's been a lot of news out there and people are going okay you know why are why are we seeing these increases and we we see it right we know inflation is increasing and this is what you know the bank of canada has in their toolbox but maybe give us some your insight on why we're seeing these increases and the level that we're seeing yeah so i think from a central banker perspective that um i mean inflation you know they're given the task of keeping trying to keep inflation in the one to three percent range that's uh, you know one to three percent year-over-year rate of change in the consumer price index, 
And right now, you know, inflation is is probably is running on a year over year basis just under eight percent. So more than two times higher than either up or bound. I mean, interest rates right now, their policy rate is set at two point five percent, which is actually historically still a relatively low rate, even though it comes on top of a very large increase. So they're telling us that they have to normalize their policy rate, that interest rates are just too low given the rate of inflation, and it's having a distorting impact on, on inflation, on asset prices. So really, from, from their point of view, this is they're trying to get back to what a, a normal would actually feel like. But to do so, unfortunately, yeah, they're trying to slow the economy down, which is unfortunate. When you do that, that means less output growth. That means higher unemployment. So, Kevin, when you look at the, the these uh, these levers that the central banks are doing, they're they're seeing that um, they're trying to slow down the economy. It's more of a uh, a, a demand type of uh, initiative. I've got a two part question to you for you. Um, well, how much do you see interest rates rising by? And then the number the number two question to that is: there's a fiscal side that can happen. Central uh, federal governments can. Uh, if they, let's say, they stop spending or stop increasing their spending, wouldn't that also help the inflation? Like, can we not have the other side of the equation, the fiscal side, support this uh, to pre- to prevent a potential recession or or or, or a, a major slowdown in the economy? Yeah, it's it's a great question, Fazal. I think we need a sort of a two pronged approach. Uh, we and it both involved some type of normalization of policy. So, I think with respect to interest rates, uh, the central bank policy rate. Uh, you know, I think we're, you know, we're likely to see further increments, probably see it go well to 3%, maybe even above 3% uh, before the end of the year. That's at least another 50 to 75 basis points higher before the end of the year. Um, I think um, they're also doing something, you know, they setting the policy rate is a key lever. The other key lever is, is their balance sheet. They're trying to, you know, they're, they're doing something called quantitative restricting. So they're, they're reducing the size of their balance sheet. And then with respect to fiscal policy, you're absolutely right. Um, we need to normalize these deficits. Uh, the federal deficit this year is estimated to be about $50 billion. It's two percentage points of GDP. The economy is operating pretty much on trend. We have a strong labor market. There's no need to run these large deficits. So Minister Freeland, our finance minister, she has to, she has to make sure that fiscal and monetary policy are working together. We need to reduce the deficit. Let's put you in charge of both the uh, the, the Bank of Canada and uh, you're now uh, the Minister of Finance. What would you do if you were in charge of the Bank of Canada right now? And what would you do if you were the uh, Minister of Finance right now? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't be taking a holiday. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> these are um, very difficult times. I think you I think you want to signal to households, to businesses where these policy rates are going. Uh, and I think uh, there's a general signal that, you know, that it could be 3% or higher. I think a lot of economists think it needs to be much higher and actually to really to bend the arc on these inflation rates. So I think, you know, in the past, we called it forward guidance. We need to kind of, if I was, you know, the central banker, or the governor of the Bank of Canada, I would be saying, I want, you know, unless we have a fundamental change in the outlook, something happens geopolitically that we can't anticipate, that you should expect maybe a four and a half percent policy rate. So we're still maybe a good two percentage points lower with respect to, you know, you know, these interest rates. And that would pass through again to prime lending rates, to uh, to mortgage rates, to, to household rates. I think it was if I was the the minister of finance, Minister Freeland, I, I was asked to replace her. Again, no holiday there. I think you basically it, we saw in our last budget we're going to control. She's trying to control spending. We didn't get much spending in the last budget. I think she's promised spending reviews. I think we should use these spending reviews and actually to try to reduce the deficit on a faster track. The deficit is coming down. 
It was more than $100 billion in 2021, 22. It's you know, estimated to be $50 billion this year and $30 billion next year. But that's in the context of a strong economy. We could actually do, we can improve even on that deficit reduction. So yeah, no, these are difficult times, still enormous amount of uncertainty, not easy. To, nobody really would want to be the governor of the Bank of Canada and the Minister of Finance in these times, including myself. One last question for the for your average Canadian. Let's say they're they're getting close to retirement with rising interest rates, inflation the way it is, a potential recession. What's your advice to them? Well, I, I would be actually one of those people. Um, you know, with rising inflation, close to retirement. I think you really, uh, from my perspective, as like it's, I'm not the, the demographic cohort that we I, we tend to worry about. But yeah, there are seniors that are on fixed incomes. Uh, obviously, they 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 want. Um, you know, they want the, the governor of the Bank of Canada to achieve his, his lower lower interest rates. The people I'm more worried about are the people that perhaps have bought a house in the past couple of years, inflated housing prices, carrying very large mortgages. Uh, you know, we, we potentially could see year, you know, month to month declines in housing prices. And the, the big concern I think out there is just we build up so much household debt, particularly mortgage debt, that this, this debt is going to get very heavy. It's going to be really difficult uh, for, for younger people. Uh, really to manage over this next you know year period. So yeah, I think we need the whole economy really to adjust inflation expectations and try to drive these rates down. But again, this is a global problem. It's not a Canadian problem. Well, there you go. We got some great tips, great advice, some good information uh, from the president and CEO, Kevin Page. He's uh, the president and CEO of the Institute of Fiscal Studies and Democracy. Kevin, thank you once again. Just a pleasure. Thank you very much. Rob, with all the people traveling this summer, and I know a whole bunch of people who want to, quote-unquote, snowboard coming mm -hmm. in the fall, uh, one concern that's been out a lot is about passports mm -hmm. and um, all the concerns about passports. Now, let me give you my, my personal uh, experience with some friends and family members recently went to Mexico, um, and their passports were not available literally until the day before they took off and there's been a backlog so there was a lot of stress before they right. got on that plane let me tell you uh but i want to get a bit of an update on 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 things that are happening and and who else better than we've got minister karina gould she's the minister of families children and social development minister gould thank you for joining us today thanks for having me faisal so let's go right into the questioning then right yeah absolutely karina you know as faisal mentioned we there's been a lot of rumors and questions and backlogs and wait times. Can you kind of give us a kind of a, how did we get to this passport backlog to this point in time? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first of all, um, I hear you and I hear Canadians on the frustration and the anxiety about passports. Um, we're here um, essentially because for two years, um, you know, Canadians followed public health advice, they uh, stayed home, there were travel restrictions in place, and then once those travel restrictions were lifted earlier this spring, there was a huge wave of applications, but they came in through two streams. One was people who mailed in their passports, um, you know, ahead of time before they were traveling, and that's uh, part of the challenge is that before the pandemic, about 80% of applications were done in person at a passport office, but we've seen that ratio flipped now with about 80% having come in through the mail channel, and we don't have the capacity to respond, um, or we didn't have the capacity to respond in the mail channel. And at the same time, a whole bunch of people who once travel restrictions were lifted, um, booked travel without having a passport, and then went to the passport office. So we had these two big volumes coming in 
in at the same time, um, which put a huge strain on the system. And while we knew there was going to be a big wave, uh, we clearly didn't anticipate just how big it was going to be, and we didn't have the capacity to respond um, as quickly as we should have. So when you look at uh, some of the updates that we've heard of that we believe uh, it was a announcement made that the black backlog should be cleared within four to six weeks, if I if my notes are correct, um, what steps have, have, first of all, am I correct with that four to six uh, week point? And the second part is, uh, what steps have been taken to, to make sure that happens? Yeah, so again, we recognize that we need to provide better service to Canadians. And so what we have been doing since April um, is hiring hundreds of new people, uh, both in uh, at the front end to serve people in person, but also um, at the back end to do that processing of passports. Uh, becoming a passport officer is actually a pretty intense training. It's about 12 to 15 weeks. As you know, the Canadian passport um, is a secure document. There's a lot of integrity to ensure um, that the person who holds that does have Canadian citizenship. And so it's a pretty intense and long training period. So we've hired hundreds of more people. We're going to have about 800 more people coming online in the next four to six weeks. That's going to help clear that backlog. We've also streamlined our training processes so we can get more people processing passports faster uh, because we've got hundreds of thousands of passport applications in the backlog that we need to clear through so that we can give people better services and respond to more nor and re return to more normal processing times um, as we move through the summer and into the fall. Minister Gould, I just want to ask a question about um, what we've learned from this process. Now, I hope we never have to go through this again where we have this sort of backlog, but let's just say we have to go through this again. Is there another way to process passports and open, uh, and I'm thinking, is there an electronic way of applying versus in mail? Are we looking at different options? Because uh, the two ways was either in person or by mail. Is there a third option that we should be exploring? And, and where are we in that process to, to see if we can do that? Absolutely, Faisal. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, we need to modernize the passport application process. Uh, so we are working at Service Canada with immigration, with the Department of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada on um, developing and opening up an online application uh, portal for simple renewals. Um, you know, some people who've had a Canadian passport before, it's a pretty simple process on the back end to do that renewal. Um, but we only have about 15% of the applications that have come in um, over the last four to six months have been renewals. The other 85, 90% have been for people who've never had a passport before. So we need to do some simplification for people who already have a passport um, so that we can get those people out of the queue and get them their passports in a much more streamlined, faster way. And then some other ideas that you know we're thinking about is as people get their citizenship, um, providing an option to give them their passport at the same time instead of you know giving them their citizenship and making them go line up for a passport. Um, other ideas about you know what can we do for seniors? Um, are we able to make it easier for them to get passports? So we're throwing around a lot of ideas, exploring a lot of policy options right now so that we can avoid people having to go line up at a passport office um, and make it easier and a better experience overall for Canadians. I don't know if you know this answer to the question, uh, Minister Gould, but what percent of Canadians have a passport? Oh, I, I don't know the answer to that, um, but we can follow up and get it to you. But I think it's it's a very high percentage. Um, you know, Canadians are, 
are travelers and there's a lot of Canadians who um, originate from another country and so they'll often have a passport so that they can go home and visit family and friends uh, but I don't know the exact percentage but now that you've asked me I'm going to make sure I know that moving forward. <laughs> and, and it wasn't to stump you or anything like that. The reason why I asked that question was if we have majority of Canadians already in the passport system then that might be a different way of handling this, mm. the situation going forward. But if there's, a, let's say, a majority of Canadians that do not have it, then we could have another wave of this coming out if more people want to want to get their passports. So that's why I was trying to figure out, is it going to be um, a bigger challenge to, to I guess, uh, modernize the system, or is this going to be a lot easier to kind of go from where we are right now with majority of Canadians having passports? And I don't know the answer if we do or do not have uh, what percentage of Canadians have passports, but I think that's, that's where I was kind of going with that question. Yeah, sure. And so, like, this is a bit of an exceptional situation because typically we, we're pretty accurate at forecasting passport demand because we know every year how many passports are set to expire. We know roughly how many babies are born and how many people are getting their Canadian citizenship. Um, so passports are typically very um, predictable and we can plan our human resources around that. What's unique about this year is that for the past two years, um, you know, in 2020 and 2021, we had very low volumes of people applying for passports. Um, you know, about less than 400,000 in 2020, um, about 1.2 million in 2021. Um, you know, since April of this year, we've had close to 900,000 applications just in the wow. first three months of this fiscal year. So even though um, that's that's not that's not like totally out of the norm for pre-pandemic times, it just ramped up really quickly. Um, and so we weren't entirely sure, um, you know, what the forecast was going to be for this year. But I can tell you that the original forecast that IRCC had put in place, you know, was about 2 million for the total year. And they've now revised that to 4.3 million. Um, so that's a big difference um, and Service Canada responds to what those forecasts are and if we go back to February you know the majority of travel economists and people who work in the industry were projecting that it was going to take a couple of years to ramp up to pre-pandemic travel. Now that didn't end up being true. Uh, we're almost already back at the same travel levels as 2019. So um, you know we we did anticipate surge we didn't anticipate just how big it was going to be. And now we've had to catch up, hire additional people to make sure that we can tackle this backlog. And that's exactly what we're doing right now. Mr. Gould, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are, we're having these conversations about people getting back on. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.